When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Thank you so much for joining me for this special episode. From the virgin suicides to Marie Antoinette to the bling ring, not many have captured the angst, the longing, and the exuberance of the teen girl quite as well as writer-director Sofia Coppola. She's also touched on themes like loneliness and connection in Lost in Translation and fathers and daughters in Somewhere and On the Rocks. As we spoke about in our conversation, her films have been a meaningful part of my cinematic life. Themes that resonate with me and so many others, her music choices and needle drops that speak right to that moment. I mean, when The Cure's plain song dropped in Marie Antoinette, I remember almost falling off my chair. Her colors, her style, her sense of fashion that so often elevate the fantasy and the themes. Of course we all know that she's born into one of the most creative families on the planet. Daughter of writer-director Francis Ford Coppola and documentary filmmaker and artist Eleanor Coppola. Her brother is Roman Coppola and her cousins include Nick Cage, Jason Schwartzman, just to name a few. Priscilla, her new film, based on Priscilla Presley's 1985 memoir Elvis and Me, feels in a poignant kind of way like the culmination of her career and all these themes that she's been ruminating on. Priscilla was only 14 when she met Elvis at an army base where she was living with her parents. Her father was stationed there, as was Elvis. Very soon she moved, alone, to Graceland, still only 15, 16 years old. There she finished high school, later got married, and lived a life of absolute wealth and extravagance, but in an isolated cage. Not unlike Marie Antoinette and other young women that Sophia has explored. And talking to her now about Priscilla, when Coppola herself has teen daughters, and I have teens, was really fascinating. Seeing the young Priscilla from several perspectives feels like it made Sofia Coppola the ideal director to tell her unique story. And it's a complicated story in many ways. The age difference, the controlling husband. And Coppola talks to me about approaching those questions, about Priscilla and Elvis's great love and the strength it took for her to leave and become her own. Coppola also talks about looking at other generations, her mother, for example, for answers and her teens to ask the questions. And for those of us interested in diving even deeper into Sofia Coppola's universe, she has her first book out. It's called Archive. And it covers her whole career. It's a collection of personal photographs, notes from scripts, and has a really great chapter on Priscilla. Priscilla stars Kaylee Spaney, who just won Best Actress at the Venice Film Festival for her fantastic portrayal as Priscilla, and Jacob Elordi as Elvis in both a charismatic and dark performance. Hi. What's your name? Priscilla Boyer. You like Elvis Presley? 
course. Who doesn't? What are the kids listening to these days? Bobby, Darren, Fabian, and you. <laughs> Just what is the intent here, Mr. Presley? You got women throwing themselves at you. Why my daughter? Well, sir, I happen to be very fond of your daughter. She's much more mature than her age. Sophia, this is so special for me. Your work has been like the soundtrack of my life, like a journey from teen to someone's adult daughter to having teens. And every needle drop has been like, God, Sophia's in my head. This one is like a culmination of all that. So thank you. Thank you. Speaking of journey, you've said that characters you've written, you delve into, they tend to correspond with phases and transitions in your own life. How did Priscilla fit into this stage of your life? Yeah, I mean, for me, looking at her story made me think a lot about my mom because she's from the same generation and and had similar struggles and, and roles and expectation as a woman at that time. And then, you know, having teenage daughters, I having such a different attitude about... Um, you know, what they would take from a man. And like, so to be in between these two generations, I thought was interesting to look at. And also it was unique for me to be the mother of a 16 year old daughter when I was looking at scenes um, with the with the parents, with the mother talking to Priscilla about he's too old for her and, you know, um, and worrying about her. So I could really see the story from both points of view um, from Priscilla and then also the mother, which was unique. Um, in my early teens, the way that I sort of combated loneliness was movies and memoirs. And I read Priscilla's book quite early. I was probably, I think it was 85. So it was my early teens. And then I listened to it now when you were going to adapt it. And it was so different when I was a teen. And now when I'm a mother of teens hearing this book, would your parents have let you go to Graceland? (laughs) I don't think so. No way. (laughs) No way. But I even remember being that age when you think that you're so sophisticated and so grown up and, you know, it's flattering if someone, you know, older guy is talking to you, you think like, you know, of course I'm special and, you know, smart or whatever. And, um, and then now, you know, being a mother of of teenagers, you know, you have such a different perspective. So, but that's so interesting that you read the, I didn't read the book when I was younger, but I could see it being a juicy read um as a young girl oh it's fabulous I would have been much too scaredy cat of a teen to ever do that journey that she did but to read it was fascinating yeah and I thought that too when she talks about she describes like going in his bedroom for the first time and imagine like being in a man's bedroom and then it's Elvis and how big the bed was and she imagined all the women that had been there before so when we built that set we made sure that the bed felt really bigger you know it felt big and intimidating and it's all black velvet and and really try to tell the story from her point of view. What you do brilliantly is just that Priscilla is in the details. Um, she's in the details in the book too. It's the thing she does, the eyelashes she puts on when she's in labor. Tell me some of the things that you learned about her through these details. Yeah, that really brought it to life for me. I love how vivid the story is. It makes you really feel like you're there living it with her um, because of all the detail and um and so I tried to put as much of the ones that stood out to me as I could and um I the the thing I wish I could have fit in but we couldn't we, we couldn't do was um her there's a, she talks about like being like 
eight months pregnant and riding a, a motorcycle with the guys because she wasn't gonna let being pregnant slow her down and she was still trying to and be, horses you know, right yeah right yeah riding horses but just this image of her like on a motorcycle really pregnant I was like oh I, I wish I had made that and I wish I had seen that but um yeah just like I just that she went so far to be like the ideal and then I was impressed that she had the strength to leave and um, decide to find for herself who she what her identity who she was and you focus on her story in terms of Elvis we basically see what she sees, even with the fancy, she's stuck in Germany. She sees some things in a magazine, almost makes it a paranoid, controlling um, situation for her. Why did you make that decision to sort of leave his career outside? Yeah, I wanted to really just focus on the story that she tells in the book, which was them in their personal life. And there's, I want to have a sense of him and his superstardom. And, you know, she talks about there's always women waiting at the gates. So she knows that, um, you know, she has to always be his ideal because if not, there's, you know, tons of women that would be and just that, just to feel that pressure. But so I wanted to, you know, uh, have the sense of him as the superstar, but still have that in the distance and really focused in on their intimate story of their their relationship. But like when he left, she didn't hear from him. And then she was just seeing things in the tabloids about him with other women and what that must have must have felt like. And um, and really, you know, kind of paint the picture of what her experience was. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. And she was also this little girl surrounded by a bunch of guys all the time, Elvis's friends. I remember this anecdote that Mia Farrow told during the Sinatra years that that was the same thing. They would be sitting in a Vegas like at 2 a.m. when all he and his friends were partying and she would fall asleep on the table because she was so young. All these guys always around them. and But it does take a certain amount of of balls of courage to be a teen in that situation and hang out with just all these guys. Was there something yeah. that intimidated her that you found? I think, I think it was hard because she was always trying to just get a moment alone with him. And she was always with these guys around and, and it was very hard for her to be alone with him. And I think she was always trying to get back to that moment in Germany when it was just the two of them and he was vulnerable and they connected. And I, I think around his friends, he had to act, you know, man, macho and be a dude. And so he acted differently with them and it seemed like it was probably fun 
some aspects be one of the guys, but then also I think it was hard that she didn't have that much time of him being, you know, the vulnerable side, all of us that connected to her. And also that she couldn't, I was struck by that she couldn't be friends, really friends with the wives of, of these guys because she knew what they were doing when the wives weren't around. And so she could never really have a, a close relationship with them and never be really honest with them. So I think it, must it have been her, lonely. That's what I thought. It must have been hard that she couldn't really be close with them, the women around her. Has she told you, was there anyone she could talk to? She was friends with Patsy, um, Elvis's cousin, who's an historian. And I would have liked to have her more in the film because they had some times where they would drive around and go get burgers together and stuff. But she, um, but, um, but yeah, but there wasn't, yeah, there wasn't a lot of people she could really t- talk to because, you know, Patsy was Elvis's cousin and, uh, you know, she talks a little bit about calling her mom or her sister, but it didn't seem like she had a lot of um, resources. I always wondered how she found the strength to finally leave because um, I said, like, you know, did you have a therapist? And she was like, oh, no, you know. So I just, yeah, I wondered how she, but she, I think she told me it was really, she knew that she couldn't raise her daughter in a hotel room in Vegas, you know, that he was more and more staying away. And, and it sounded like, um, you know, for her daughter to have a grounded childhood, she had to make that decision. And also she told me she didn't even know what her taste was. So the fact that she, um, when she started to spend time on her own in LA and started to meet people and have real conversations outside of him, that she started to have other interests and, and kind of find her own identity. It was the love between them. It was the lifestyle that didn't work for her ultimately. And I think she, and she talks about him, not like her wanting to, you know, every relationship has to grow and evolve and you have to be able to talk about things and that he didn't really have the ability to do that, that he was, uh, you know, just more and more lost in his haze and performing and pills and uh, you know that he wasn't willing to um you know do what you have to do to to try to evolve a relationship about vegas i i I heard that your dad would go to vegas for alone time when he was writing i just thought that was first of all very stressful to go to vegas and such an elvis thing to do (laughs) that's funny he always would go and write his scripts in like reno or, or vegas because you can order um, food 24 hours so you can just be writing and not think about anything and then order food whenever you need and also you could like just go out in the middle of the night and and go play a game or like it just it was that no sense of time for a writer that you could get lost in so I used to I used to go visit him in Reno and he was writing and 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 um that yeah that's his way of that was his writing process in your book you write that this was a complicated relationship, the one between Priscilla and Elvis, and such a different time. I mean, she was 14. How did you approach this when you first started thinking about adapting this story? Yeah, I just focused on the book and how to um, tr- translate her story into a film. Just really, I have to suspend any judgment and, and just have look for the human side to all these characters and have as much empathy as you can and just I, I mean, I always was thinking through her point of view and in her shoes and then tried to approach all the characters that she encountered, you know, whether it's her mother, or Elvis, with where they were coming from also. So they all felt like hum- developed and human. People have talked about comparing this to Marie Antoinette. Of, of course, it's a good comparison of a teen sort of in this incredible situation. I was thinking a lot about bookending it with virgin suicides in terms of the parents, just the, oh. the parents that go <laughs> and, and and what the parents, the ones that let her go and the ones that don't, so to speak. Yeah, these are like the two most extreme 
extreme situations. Um, I think they're both too too extreme for reality. But yeah, it's hard. It's hard to imagine. I think you know people are like, how could anybody let their kid, you know, let her go live at, at Graceland? It's pretty hard to imagine. But then the way she describes this with a lot of um, empathy for her parents that what she put them through and that she was, you know, so determined. And I think she definitely had a, a real strength about her. Well, it feels like she would have gone. I mean, there was yeah. no way to not let her yeah. go. And that's what that's what she said. That her mother knew that if she if she didn't want to go, she would have just gone on her own. So they didn't want to kind of cut, be cut off from her. No, in order to continue having a relationship with her, I guess. Yeah. But I would never have let my teens go. <laughs> I'm with you. The film is definitely pure Americana. And uh, I feel like you've dived into this a bit before. You've been interested in American celebrity and culture and wealth and your music choices and, and your family as well. I mean, their films, I mean, your father with Vietnam and the American mafia, maybe far-fetched, but if there's a particular with your Italian background, if you have another perspective on America and Americana, if this has been something that you guys have talked about and been interested in uh no but I think it has it's exotic to me I didn't grow up you know anywhere near Memphis and like Kaylee's from Missouri she grew up with you know Elvis and Priscilla and to me you know they're like a kind of distant icons but um but something that I don't that I find very exotic you don't have to worry about it black hair more I don't know if I like it. What do you mean you don't know if you like it? He's not like you imagine. You know, there's a lot of rumors about you. Was there something you're hiding? I don't have a goddamn thing to hide. I need a woman who understands that things like this might happen. Are you going to be here or not? Elvis had some precise opinions on women's fashion. Really, he knew, or he his opinion anyway, that she would disappear with certain patterns and things like that. Where do you think this came from? And what, why did he, why was this important to him? He said that he really like learned a lot from working on movies about like what worked and what didn't and about her makeup and clothes. I mean, he obviously seemed controlling. I think he had, I mean, for my impression is that he had this kind of like ideal wo woman in his mind and she wanted to be that, you know, this fantasy. And then, um, you know, so she was trying to, to be that, but I, he was almost making her like a, um, what he thought his, his dream woman. And he, yeah, he was so opinionated about style. I don't know where he got me. So, he had so much style. I don't know where that came from, but um, just as a creative person, I think it expressed itself in different ways, but yeah, he was definitely controlling. I just I imagine because as an artist, um, there's a perfectionist side, you know, wanting to create the world. And he he had his vision of Graceland and then making her the queen of Graceland. It was all under his um, uh, creative fantasy. This is a very particular type of style, of course, very Americana and very big and out there. How did you approach that? Yeah, for me, it was just something I've never done. It was so fun to get into like 60s Memphis and the colors and and um, and it's so kind of uh, theatrical. So to make it feel real, but still in this 
world and there were so many great references and luckily so many photos of them and home movies and um and just uh, all the references of wasteland and kind of the textures of the the drapes and the shag carpet and then um yeah all the colors of her clothes and how they how they dressed then um you know said so much about where she was in the story and and what her development was too and you worked with some amazing designers on specific, like the wedding dress, for example. Yeah, I was so I was so uh, we were so lucky that Chanel made her wedding dress um, when it showed up. It's you know it's, it's so beautiful, and um, it had to be a big moment because such an important image of their you know love story. And um, and Valentino made some of his suits and sweaters and clothes. So it was, yeah, it was always great when the actors would show up in these costumes, and the, you know, just have such a a talented team putting it all together to to create a world that's really um you know like magic priscilla seems to have been so supportive and and helpful with pictures and with talking to kaylee and and all these things that that she did but there are many things that are quite intimate here um that how did she react to certain scenes like the polaroid scene and even and, and the wedding scene also was it emotional for her yeah, she seemed um, she seemed really moved, which was I was so nervous to show it to her for the first time, and um, and then after she saw it, she was really moved and said, you know, that's what my life. It felt like my life. That's what it was like, and she was really touched that it, Kaylee was able to convey how she felt, and I was so happy that I got it right because that was the feeling I got from her book, and I thought she described it really well. But yeah, but I'm also guessing or you know kind of putting my own imagination into it, and um, so I was really happy that she felt that it was accurate and she was always very willing to answer questions and she read through the script and it was really important to me that she feel like it was it felt right to that we were representing her story in the way that capture the essence you say you can't go out and find someone who's identical to to elvis for you what was that essence that you were looking for yeah i mean no one looks like elvis he's so he was so unique looking in such a beauty in such a unique way and um so I was just trying to find someone that could kind of convey the feeling that she describes and how I imagine that he was so charismatic and that just had that magnetism and which, which Jacob really has naturally. So you can just feel it in the way that girls react to him. Well, and it's just, Jacob's, it's his year. <laughs> I just saw Saltbird also. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I'm so excited to see that. Yeah, no, he's so talented, but he really has such um, magnetism just naturally. And um but I think he's so has he's so lovable and has a sweet side and a sensitive side that I thought was really important in the way that Priscilla describes Elvis in, in their real life and just all his vulnerability and um and that he he's like everyone said he's so charming, so lovable. And I thought also with you know, showing this darker side of him too, that I didn't wanna um it was important that he had the lovable side too and and to kind of balance them with the roller coaster. And that in the end that they that she had such a, a love for him. Well, for her to put up with some of the things she put up with. And what about Priscilla casting? For me, the challenge is really to find one actress that could play um her from 14 to late 20s and make that change. And um when my casting people mentioned Kaylee, I was um, you know, I just met with her and I was, you know, excited that she she really looks she can really pass for 15 and um which is pretty striking and she's in her twenties. And also it was great to have someone that isn't, that we haven't seen before. And you just kind of, you can believe her as Priscilla. It's not like, oh, there's so-and-so as Priscilla. I feel like it makes it more um, believable, which I, I was really glad. And um, 
and just, uh, you know, just to work with a, a new talented actress is always exciting. And her eyes yeah. could feel that longing, that longing, that waiting by the phone as, as one did as a teen. I mean, yeah. that's something that, that you've depicted in several films. Are you good at being alone yourself? I am. I, I need to have my alone time, but there is, I think you're more introspective in that alone time. And I think, especially as a teenager, the, the kind of those times in your room and you're not, you haven't quite found your footing. I think like until you have a strong sense of your identity that you're kind of on wobbly legs, uh, you know, in that, in that moment, I think can be hard. It can be, there's a, there's a fun side, but also, you know, the vulnerability in, in, um, yeah, finding your way. So, yeah, no, I feel connected to that, but I, um, no, I definitely, when you're writing, you're in that mode. I mean, like I'm alone, writing alone, and I'm more in touch with my um, introspective side and, um, but I'm not like that all the time. (laughs) And then you get to be on the (laughs) with all your friends and colleagues and, and it's really fun to all be together, working together. But there's a particular that I recognize too. I, I've moved around a lot in, in my life and you seem to have been, as you call yourself, an army brat on film locations and definitely for Priscilla as well. It's a special kind of loneliness that you're you're lonely, but at the same time you have to adapt to new situations. Did you recognize yourself in her there? Definitely like being the new kid at school. I um I definitely related to that because I we I moved around with my family and I was the new kid at school a lot. So I, yeah, so I could relate to like being when she's in Germany and, and she, she just start, starting a new school again and then nothing. So I can, I could relate to that. Did you understand at an early age what fame was? Yeah. I mean, not anywhere near the scale of what she experienced, but, um, but definitely having been, you know, around that a little bit, I could, you know, imagine the the two sides of it of what it's like to, you know, be at school and then dip into that world. Um, and just, and just the sense that it's not all that it's cracked up to be, it's not perfect, you know, that you still have human struggles, even when you're near what seems like you, you know, have this, but yeah, but that doesn't, fame doesn't make your life perfect. So I'm always, yeah, I'm always interested in the kind of fairy tale versus reality and what her life looked like. And then what the reality was. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't grow up anywhere near that level of attention, but I, you know, this small amount I, I experienced, I could, um, I could imagine it, it helped me fill it in more. And has she talked about the moment it hit her, this sort of crazy fame? I always grew up kind of peripherally around film business, so I didn't really think about it. But for her to just be dropped into it so instantly at that age, I, I thought she was so kind of mature and poised of how she dealt with it. She's very discreet. She never told anyone about it. And she said that he really trusted her because she wasn't um, talking about him and she wasn't you know exploiting that and I, so I think he really trusted her and she that was important to her that he tra- you know she was so mature there's a thing in your book also besides the fact that she didn't tell anyone about about dating this the most famous man in the world um there's an email she sent to you she lists a few things and that she gave him bongos as a gift um oh yeah point. and I thought what a 14 year old to think of such an incredibly good gift to give. I mean, yeah. I don't know what I would have thought about to give my boyfriend yeah. some bad aftershave or something. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And no, she was cool. I want to lie.
life of my own. The music in your films has been just such a really important part of my experience with your filmmaking. And can you tell me a little bit about how you work with the music on Priscilla? Yeah, this one was kind of tricky to find our way. And I was really, I'm really grateful to my husband, Taman, his band and Phoenix. They helped me early on when I was starting to work on the script. We started making a playlist together and just kind of finding music of that era. Because it's not it's not really my the kind of music that I li- really listen to or respond to, that kind of like 50s, 60s. Um, of course, there's like so many classics. I, I loved girl groups growing up. So like the Ronettes and all that. I love the, that and Phil Spector I've always loved. So I really... um you know, looked at that kind of music. And then we just uh, kind of, yeah, found songs that, that seemed to work together. And I wanted it to be, have this kind of like swelling romantic melodrama of of the story. You didn't have the rights to Elvis music, but in a way, the like the last song, I'm not going to spoil what it is, but yeah. that really, it, it makes it so much better because it's her story and what she's feeling. Yeah. And- yeah, I'm glad that, you know, that song at the end, I always, it was really important to me always that that song came to mind when I was first working in the script because I, it was important to me that it had a woman's voice at the end because it really felt like this is her starting her story as becoming a woman. And and there were some Elvis songs I wanted to use, like the um, Hawaiian love song he sang to her on her wedding. And I always knew that we might not get permission because the estate really only works on projects that they originate They're you know, just because of the brand, they don't, they don't want other people messing with that, which can see so um so then we had to rethink those so i always i'd wanted a few but it, it was okay i always knew that we might not be able to and then it makes you more creative to find other solutions and um and i remember the ramones did an album with phil specter and we were talking about phil specter so i got to try that song but i think we're always trying to get goosebumps like you know like um, yeah it worked oh i'm so glad because um yeah, mixing them all together in a way that hopefully they they fit and it doesn't feel like frankenstein but um I love like Crimson and Clover after her first kiss and she's walking down the hall and it's just like it how do you show that feeling of um just the epicness of of your first kiss and it's Elvis so like trying to process that. Finally I have to ask you what are you hoping that a younger generation of women seeing Priscilla's story today with all its warts and all um and and beauty what do you hope that they'll take with them? You know, I just hope, I think we can always learn from other people's experiences. And I, I try not to tell people how to feel, but I know like my daughters we like, you know, I would never let someone tell me what to wear. You know, they just came and comprehend that where I know my mother's generation were all about like, you know, pleasing a man. And, and then, and somehow I'm in between with parts of that, you know, like kind of a, a mix. So, um, so yeah, I'd be, I'm curious, but it, it is interesting to hear like a, uh, we had a, um, a young filmmaker, Liv McNeil, who's 17, was filming a behind the scenes on our set. And so she had such a different reaction to the story than even even me. And I, because I grew up with, you know, from that generation. And uh, what was uh, her reaction? Uh, I mean, she just like, like, even like the him dressing her, like she, you know, was so kind of appalled by him dressing her up and where I can still see that the way Priscilla described it as, you know, fun to have that attention and, and, you know, getting to be this glamorous depiction of his ideal woman, you know, and um, I can really see both sides of that. And, and, and what I, I was really struck with the story is that she had the strength at that time to leave when that was what was, everything was, 
you know, that was expected to give you fulfillment is, you know, she had all the goals that a woman was supposed to want at that time. And, and, um, and that like her own creative expression wasn't even an option. And so, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm more curious what a young I think It's interesting to hear what a young, so yeah, it's interesting. And I think any kind of complicated relationship, you know, we've all been in, in drawn to people that maybe aren't always so healthy. Did your daughters change your mind about her? after the whole process was done or about not about her but about those aspects of no I think it's just interesting for me to see kind of be looking at it from both sides and to be in in the middle of that is interesting but I think we always learn from the the generation before us and um you know appreciate what what they went through and what what all the things I'm able to do that wasn't a possibility then. I want to thank you so much for this and for the movie and for, for everything that's really been. Yeah. It was really nice talking to you and our our soundtrack is supposed to come out soon. So hopefully that'll be around soon. Bye. Bye. Good night. Thank you so much to Sofia Coppola. Priscilla is opening wide in the U S on November 3rd and Sofia's book archive is out now. And thank you so much for listening. This is Pop Culture Confidential, a part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. See you next time. Hey friends, this is Jim Knight, former 21-year Hard Rock executive turned best-selling author and top 10 keynote speaker. And I'm Brant Menzwar, former frontman of Hollywood's most dangerous band turned top 10 motivational speaker and best-selling author. We host the how-to podcast, Thoughts That Rock, where we talk to rock stars, athletes, CEOs, astronauts, and even next-door neighbors who share their expertise and opinions. Together, we tackle the most interesting and challenging topics of today. Whether you want to learn how to become more confident, how to deal with anxiety at work, or how to write a hit song, or use Brazilian jiu-jitsu in life. We've got hundreds of episodes to help amp up your life and move you forward. Subscribe to Thoughts That Rock wherever you listen to podcasts and check out evergreenpodcast.com for more information.